Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle. Happy Halloween, guys, as we record this podcast. It is October 31st, and we wish that uh, you are hopefully having a uh, happy Halloween. And, you know, you handed out candy and you weren't a uh, curmudgeon. I'm hoping. With that said, Jason Lacanfora, follow him, guys. You read him in the Washington Post. I'm Carl Dukes. Put him up. And, of course, Brian Baldinger, part of this podcast as well. We've got a lot to get to. Today, ironically, is the trade deadline in the NFL. Now, Jason and I are not going to hit a lot of this because we want to see how this is going to play out. There are a lot of rumors out there, Jason. You know, we can speculate right now, but we'll, we have until 4 o'clock today mm-hmm. to figure out what's going to happen. Baldy and I will look at this on Thursday and, and kind of react to some of the things that may take place. But there have been a couple of trades. Um, and with the Giants' move, you feel like they're giving up on the season. I mean, they're two wins in, two and six or, or whatever it is. And, you know, you look at that roster and then you trade away arguably your best defensive lineman. They're paying a majority of his salary as they trade him to Seattle. But those are the kind of things – that I think helps Seattle, but it also kind of tells you where yeah. the Giants are, Jason. Yeah, um, I think the Giants are being realist. And I, I, I did, I've written about them the last few weeks in the Washington Post and talked to some people who uh, I think have a pretty good handle on Joe Shane, the young general manager there. And they were pretty adamant that, look, he's this is not your same old Giants. These are not, you know, the fuddy-duddy Wellington Mara you know, we don't believe in football trades in season. <laughs> our fans deserve to see all of our players in a Giants uniform for all 16 games, because that's what it was at that time. You know, we don't subsidize other teams. Well, okay, you want to see these guys? You, you want to see Leonard Williams lose all 14 games you're going to lose this year or lose all 13 games you're going to lose this year? You think people are paying money for that? So, uh Again, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because we are sitting here in a little bit of a time warp um, as we record this. But if the Giants are willing to do that, then, I mean, why wouldn't they be willing? If you're willing to eat that much money to make that trade, then why wouldn't you trade Darren Waller, who you gave $8 million to up front, but yeah. only has a $1 million base salary? He He's very – now he's banged up right now. You know what I mean? The Saquon Barkley's – I mean, even – I know they love Dexter Lawrence. You could trade Dexter Lawrence and re-sign Dexter Lawrence. Like you could get pretty creative there and really reposition your team for the future. So, but no, I, I think it's a, um, I think it's the kind of cold calculated moves that they they should have made many times in the past. This team has been kind of um, bad to pretty bad for quite some time, but they've been stuck in a lot of old school ways, especially when Dave Gettleman was their GM. So, I think if I'm a Giants fan, while I hate this season and where it's going. And while I have major questions about what those guys did in the offseason, paying Daniel Jones as much as they did and paying Saquon Barkley as much as he did, you know, at, at least they're embracing some modern um, methods of uh, asset acquisition and, and roster building. Um, as for what the Giants put on the field on Sunday, 
you know, Carl, I, I feel bad for their defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale. I feel bad for everybody on the defensive side of that ball field. And I feel bad for the offense yeah. as well. Um, Brian Dable not having faith in his quarterback to literally attempt to pass in regulation while they're playing bully ball and they're nursing, you know, whatever, Terrible. a 10-3 lead, a seven-point lead, a one-score lead. And you're looking at that game and, and the leaders in a 2023 national football game, it's like Darren Waller, one catch for four yards and like Saquon Barkley with like four yards receiving that, that was their leaders. That was their receiving leaderboard for an NFL football game. They counted in the standings that they played at home against the Jets team. That was worse on offense than them. I mean, literally a couple of screen passes to Saquon Barkley for a couple more first downs. And they win that thing ugly. I mean, they're sitting there on third and long running the football. You know, handoff, Matt Brito, whatever. I'm like, this is kind of shameful. Like, if, if you don't think this DeVito kid can complete a check down, then there's plenty of people on the planet who can. Like, you got to be a little more prepared than that. Um, and then they get into overtime, and they're backed up in their own end zone. And now they're <laughs> throwing the ball. And it's like, well, what? 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 <laughs> You're in no territory, sense. marching the ball, setting up play action, and not even just trying a play action pass on second and short and third and short. But then in overtime, you're, you're trying to you get behind the sticks and you start throwing it? I, I, I don't know, man. And I'm a big, big uh, Brian Dable guy, but this season has gone horribly askew. Now, look, the, the larger reality is if, if Terod Taylor plays that game, they win that football game. And the New York Jets have found a way to win some games where the other team, like you look at these Jets wins, they got four wins. What was Josh Allen doing week one? You know what I mean? Like that, like he's throwing jump ball after jump ball. They beat the Giants, who literally didn't play with a quarterback, right? Like we, we've seen some atrocious quarterback play against them when they've won games. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not that impressed. They're not very good stopping the run. Their, their offense stinks. But they're, you know, they won that game. So, you know, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, is is doing his uh, Richard Sim, uh, Simmons workouts <laughs> on the field. And yeah. he's getting everybody whipped in a fervor for absolutely nothing. He's helping his brand. You know, I wonder, like, the more calisthenics does he do, does that mean McAfee's got to pay him more on Tuesdays? Does the price go up? You know, the more of a shit show that he puts on before games, making it all about him and not the team. Like, does that – does that get that he jacks up his rates for, you know, what he charges for people to talk to him so he can spew nonsensical problem and anti-science? Is that is that how it works? Uh, is it the direct corollary between how much of a jackass he can be, making it like he's this modern marvel of medicine when he ain't playing any football this year? Does that make him more valuable? I don't know. I don't play those games. I think the rate stays the same. <laughs> I don't think McAfee's paying him more. I, mean, I if, think it stays if, the same. If his Q rating, Carl, if <laughs> goes he up. manages to stay in the news, if he, yeah. if he gets yeah. his Q rating up there and he manages to stay in the news for the things he does when he's not being paid to say asinine stuff to McAfee, part of me yeah. thinks he might charge more. Jason, you know what's funny? You you and I both know about these contracts, right? And I'm talking about just in our business you can never go back once you sign these deals and go, hey, by the way, I'm a little bit more popular right now. I need another hundred grand. You can never fucking do that. Well, All right. Can you, you say you that? Can. You can and never do can. that. 
I, it's true. Yeah, it's I a, guess not. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, Aaron Rodgers, though, he's, you know, nothing applies to him. He's Aaron Rodgers. Hey, it's in the huddle, guys. He is special. Follow us at In the Huddle Pod on YouTube. You can check us out. Here's the deal, man. Um, I'll tell you who stinks, and I'll tell you who's not a head coach. And his name is Josh McDaniels. What a complete blank show this is. The Raiders last night on Monday Night Football, we're recording this on Tuesday, guys, on Halloween. So, again, whenever you're watching this, this is coming off the Raiders' loss to the Lions. They are terrible. And anybody who believed at any point that Josh McDaniels was this offensive genius and he was in New England and he was going to be the next thing, at one point he was the coach in waiting, all of that is crap. The evidence is clear. He does not know what he's doing as a head football coach. And we can talk about Garoppolo. You went and signed him. You wanted Garoppolo. So that is on you, Josh McDaniels. And last night was another example. You have arguably the best wide receiver in the world, and this guy got one ball last night in Devontae Adams. It's shameful, and he should be fired at the end of the season, if not before, Jason. Yeah. um, Their record being as, you know, decent – as it is, you know, and I guess by Ra- Raiders standards, especially, I think just speaks more to how much future football is being, you know, belched out there on Mondays and Thursdays on, and Sundays, right? I think it speaks to the larger issue of quality of play in the league right now, quality of quarterback play, quality of red zone play, quality of offensive design uh, and script and and uh, play calling. Uh, be- because like yeah they're they're terrible but a couple of weeks ago they were 500 you know like uh and, and look the score doesn't belie this i i thought this would be an absolute beatdown and it really should have been and it, it i'm still kind of i'm kind of staggered that the lines didn't go over 27 and a half points here somehow um that took some doing and the lines the lines seem to me Carl, to look at this as an opportunity to try, try to prove to some people they can run the football and, mm. and do it almost to a fault, which is odd to me because it's the Raiders. I mean, the Bears <laughs> just ran the football. Like, the Bears don't run the ball on anybody, especially without Justin Fields. Like, the Bears just beat them the week before. You know what I mean? And they couldn't stop Foreman on the ground. Like, it just it, – it almost seemed to me that, like, somebody said to Ben Johnson, their play caller, like, Jared Goff's not allowed to throw the ball in the red zone. Like, they had 500 yards of offense. Jared Goff was unstoppable when he didn't throw a pick six. He never attempted – he never threw a ball that went into the end zone, Carl. They right. had the ball all day. He never attempted a pass into the end zone. Like, I, I, so it was like, we're going we're gonna to get a rushing touchdown here no matter what. And we're gonna we're gonna try to run for over 150 yards in a game without David Montgomery, and and they did and, and they checked a lot of boxes, but they're lucky they were playing the Raiders because th- this you know you mess around like this and don't put a team away and you, you what you kick four field goals and miss a 27 yard field goal, that's a recipe for to lose especially when you're at home. Um, so their red zone play calling and sort of what they were actually all about there like there there was I thought Dan Campbell was a step on your neck guy they had so many chances to step on the Raiders neck and they left them hanging around including you know going for that short field goal instead of just going for a touchdown there and and so anyway yeah the Raiders stink it it was a great yardage performance from the Lions 
it wasn't a great overall execution performance from the Lions offensively. <laughs> um, you know, there were some penalties. There were some red zone bogging down. Uh, but they got the win. It was comfortable enough. And they go into the bye. And, and they look pretty legit. And for their defense, again, I don't know how much you could get style points for eviscerating the Raiders. But, I mean, you see 14 points there. Seven of it was, you know, a Jared Goff pick six to Marcus Peters. Where Correct. nobody, either Marcus Peters was catching that ball or somebody on the sidelines was catching that ball on the Raiders' sidelines. But there was not a Detroit Lions who, who you, know, you could give them, like, special powers. You could have dressed them up like Spider-Man and put somebody in a Spider-Man suit. They still weren't getting to that ball before Marcus Peters. So I'm just saying it didn't have a whole lot to do about the Raiders even making a great defensive play there. It was literally a gimme. Um, yeah, and where does Mark Davis go next? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, he can't get anything right. They can't figure out the quarterback position. And, like, what do they have, three wins now? now? Like, if they mess around and win six games or something like that, now you're – from a draft standpoint, you might be in no man's land in terms of getting yep. a quarterback. Yeah, and even in a deep quarterback draft. Here's a couple other things real quick. Jameer Gibbs, I felt like this was a justification game, to your point. Hey, we drafted a running back in the first round, oh, but let us show you how good he is. We're going to make it happen. Let me yep. show you how good he is. 25, 26 we're gonna, carries. We're going to yeah. speed this. Exactly. 152 yards. And, and again, Gibbs is real. I mean, he's a great, great kid. Great, great runner. Um, you know, I saw him at Georgia Tech yeah. before he transferred to Alabama. It's not about that. But the Lions were like determined to say, hey, we didn't screw this up. OK. And You're so last night was yeah, his coming out party. Um, as far as as the Raiders go, listen, they need to. And as we said, the trade deadlines today, we don't know what happens. They need to trade Devontae Adams. And they need to turn the page on Josh McDaniels. And to your point, hire a firm, bring in somebody who can advise you who the next up and coming, I don't know, Sean McVay disciple or Kyle Shanahan, whichever way you want to go. All right. But they need to do something. And it's a shame because if you're a Raiders fan and there are a ton of Raiders fans out there, you continue to be disappointed year after year after year. And, and let me ask you this, just hypothetically, Jason, if the John Gruden crap didn't happen, would this look different? Because remember, they screwed up a bunch of drafts as well. Yeah, I don't know if this looks any different. No, I mean, who? Yeah, who? What players did they find? I mean, that's not like. And you could say, oh well, clearly when a new regime comes in, they like to clear house of the old guys' players, right, to prove a point that they were no good. But where did these guys? I mean, I, I mean, they, these these where have these players matriculated? Where has where have have they gone and got a second chance, a third chance? and look to be capable NFL, you know, depth guys, let alone starters. I, I mean, um, no, it was a complete and utter, it was a complete and utter failure from a personnel standpoint. Um, no, I don't think it would be any different. Um, that regime was, was going nowhere. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know, man. It's weird. Like the best span of football they probably have played was when Rich Passaccia was the was the interim head coach. Great point. Great right? point. They, they should have gave Dallas him the job. Beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Yep. Like they yep. they 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 were like a pretty decent operation. Like the penalties started being, being cut down on. There seemed to be um, maybe more accountability. That was sort of the best stretch they had. Um, and there's just you look at the roster. Like they should trade Max Crosby too. I mean, oh, if you, is he if a you beast? Max or what, Crosby, 
And you, he is, he is, but they're so far away. I mean, and, it, and it's a manageable contract. It's not like you're trading him and the other team's like, well, we're not going to give you what he's worth because we've got to negotiate the contract. Like, it's a, it's a fixed cost. And you know what? Maybe it's better in the offseason. Uh, but that's such a reboot. And there's so few, like, cornerstone players. Like, they're just, they're just not, they're just not there. Um, yeah. It's, I take, I take Max Cross in a heartbeat. It is, a, man. That's a bad franchise right now. Let's revisit something we talked about last week on In the Huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends, and uh, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you don't miss an episode. We talk about all things NFL. We're inside the huddle, guys. Brian Baldinger with his breakdowns and all the things that happen on this podcast. Make sure you're here each and every week. Last week, we talked about Kirk Cousins at the end of the podcast, and we both agreed he was playing his way into another deal with the Vikings. Yep. We send our best to Kirk Cousins. Nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. Wanted to see him play out the season. Didn't know where this was going. And then, boom, uh, uh, Achilles injury over the weekend. So now the question is, Jason, where do the Vikings go with Kirk Cousins? We don't know what their backup situation is going to be. And and right now, I don't even know if that's important when you talk about the long-term viability of where this team's going to go. But Cousins, I think, is 35. Spence, our producer, I think he's 35 years old. You bring him back coming off of an Achilles? On a short-term deal now, or do you reevaluate this if you're the Vikings and, you know, their new GM, I say new, he's been on the job a couple of years, but Kirk Cousins wasn't his guy. Mensa is the new GM there. I'm just curious now, does this change the equation for what Kirk is in 2024? I think he's back in Minnesota. I, I, I We talked about this a little bit. I wrote about this at the Washington Post about a month ago. Um, he wasn't going to go anywhere at the trade deadline. You know, he had a no trade clause for a reason. Kevin O'Connell, the head coach there, who I, I, I think has a, I'm told has a lot of sway with the owners. Um, like, I, I don't think he sees a better option than, than Kirk Cousins out there. And now with him coming off the injury, it's not going to be the same price point. You know, it's, it's, it's probably more like a two-year deal than, you know, in the past, I think it would have been a – it would have looked like a five-year deal, but it really would have been like a three-year deal. You know what I mean? With no guaranteed right. money in the third year, but probably the base salary manageable enough that it's like, can we get can we squeeze one more season out of them and go for it? Like now I think you're looking at, you know, a one- or two-year deal. But I think if you're Kevin O'Connell and, and you're thinking, okay, Kirk Cousins is back, you know, worst-case scenario, the moon middle of next season right if it takes them a year if it's more like a you know nine month or then we're talking right around the start of the season but to have Kirk Cousins in the building doing his rehab there um Mm. showing whoever this quarterback is they draft the ways of the world and being there even if he's on crutches to start standing on the sideline with this kid after every incomplete pass after every wrong decision like Part of the reason Kirk Cousins doesn't want to leave there and part of the reason Kevin O'Connell doesn't want to let him go is this symbiotic relationship they have. Like, they have built something there to where – and anybody who watched the documentary, The Quarterback, you know, from a year ago where they focused on Mariota and Cousins, like, these two have become joined at the hip. And and Kevin O'Connell, I think, as a young head coach, one of the things he really aspired to quickly was having a quarterback – who could see it and feel it like he did. So they really quickly got like B 
beyond all the pleasantries, like to real talk and being able to really communicate. And and just like a receiver and a quarterback, I give you a wink, I give you a sign, you know what it means. He's he's got that sort of thing going with Cousins, who also, by the way, at a time and place where there's the quarterbacking is terrible throughout the league, he's yeah. also maybe playing his best ball. His interceptions rate, rate is up a little bit. We talked about this three, four weeks ago because he's carrying the team. They can't run the football. They average three yards a carry. They have one rushing touchdown all year, and they're four and four because of Kirk Cousins. They lost their number one receiver. Watch this kid, Addison. He looks like a number one receiver. Like, Kirk Cousins is, is highly, highly functional there. And look around the NFC. Like, who's going to get that much better in the division? Green Bay doesn't know who their quarterback is. You know, the Lions nope. look pretty real. The Bears, who knows who's going to be running them and what's going on there, right? So I think Kirk Cousins is back. And I think Kirk Cousins can can help bring that young player along. And the contract will be short mm. enough that this isn't Jordan Love sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? For right. three, four years. It, it's a, it's how good do we think? What's the value of having him in our building? What's the value of him expediting the development of this other kid? And can we win enough games with Kirk Cousins even in transition next year to go back to the playoffs? And I think they're going to do that calculus and say, yeah, the juice is worth the squeeze. Um, yeah, I think that's where it's going. Jared Goff is going to be back in Detroit, and I think Kirk Cousins is going to be back in Minnesota. And Kirk Cousins will throw himself, mind, body, and soul, into this recovery, and he'll play football next September. It might not be week one, but I bet he's back next September. He's 35, Spence tells us, turns 36 in August. Let's be honest, guys. In the quarterback world in 2023, that's young. I mean, we're seeing guys go to 39, 40, 41. We, we know this. Now, everybody's not going to be Tom Brady, but if he can come off of this injury and be productive – I totally agree with you on this, Jason. We said last week, we both thought, you know, he's playing his way into a new deal. It may not be long-term, but it's going to be short-term because, guys, if you look out there in the free agent market right now, it's crap. It just is. That's why there's nobody going he out and getting a guy. quarterback. He it, was. It, it, it's him and Josh Dobbs and Jimmy Jimmy G. Like, it, there's nothing. Well, the thing, and Jason, nobody's picked up Carson Wentz. Well, you remember all that hype about Carson Wentz? He's played nowhere this year. Oh, so no, no. it just tells you where the quarterback market is. Guys, it's you know, in the Tannehill, huddle. Tannehill will be out there. but Yes, he will. Yeah, he will be. How about but that's not. Will Levis, by the way. I didn't see that coming. Let me tell you, I was at the game. This kid is unbelievable. Levis. That was the surprise it's... of the week for me, brother. That blew Let me, me tell away. you something. And I'll tell you a funny story about this real quick. We're talking about Levis. Uh, he was the the quarterback taken by the, the uh, Titans early in the second round. Everybody thought he was going to be a first rounder. He missed out, was in the green room all day, blah, 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 during the draft, and then goes back home and is drafted oh, yeah. literally the next, next day. So um, my daughter's at Kentucky. I've talked about this. We went up last year and saw two games. He was okay. He wasn't great, right? Junior year, he was much better, and that's what kind of put him on the map. But everybody I was talking to was like, yeah, the kid's arm. And then we get to the draft, and everybody said, oh, he's got a cannon. Jason, let me tell you something. Um, I turned to my wife at the beginning of this game, and I told her, I said, I don't think they're going to let Levis throw the ball deep today. They're going to protect him. So I don't think we'll see a lot of deep. What the hell was I talking about? They I let this the kid throw, they throw yeah, it deep yeah. as much as possible. And they Ooh. got behind the defense. This kid was dropping dimes and dots all day. Let me tell you something. If, if you can – Keep Derrick Henry, which I think they are. All of a sudden, the Titans' chances may have just turned. We'll see what he does on Thursday night, but I'm with you. That was unbelievable 
what he was able to do. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk about a guy that, that is back. Did you see Joe Burrow this last week? Did you guys see Joe Burrow? 28 of 32, 134 quarterback rating against the 49ers defense. He was just making it look easy. His boy Jamar Chase had 100 yards. Joe Mixon, almost 100 yards, 87 yards on the day. And they beat down the 49ers 31-17. And I don't know if you guys realize this or not. It's like every year. They've won four of their last five, Jason. Here come the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I was, you know, we, we, we talked about it and, and um, I've written about it. The game against Arizona was the comeback game. When Joe Burrow could throw across his body, when he could run to his right plant, throw left, when he could scramble for, for you know, more than just a couple of yards, um, when they started calling more and more play action because he could turn his back and torque that calf without it pulling up on him, then those were all super positive signs. But it's against Arizona, right? And, and so he exerted himself in that game. <clears throat> and then they kind of had that survivor mode game against Seattle. And then they go into the bye. You just look at the DNA of this team and what they – done in recent years and it seemed to be setting up perfectly for one of these revivals um and yeah uh they they beat the snot out of the 49ers that's another game that was not as close as the scoreboard and, and luana rumo their defensive coordinator who i'm stunned he's still there he had brock purdy and you know seeing oh. ghost and he had brock purdy not sure what he was looking at downfield and he was mixing up his own coverages and that kid was confused and bewildered they better get Trent, nobody's talking about Trent Williams. If Trent Williams, this is one of those years where Trent Williams is is repeatedly hurt and starts to break down. That's the key injury. That that whole thing crumbles to the ground without Trent Williams. Um, <laughs> nobody talks about that injury. It's you know Debo and Purdy and oh, yeah. oh, all right, Drake Greenlaw. Okay, all right, all right. I, I, I saw it before they got. I, I saw what it looked like before they paid him whatever the highest paid contract in the history of left. I mean. Like, Andy Reid had a whole lot of money on the table for that guy, and Kyle Shanahan just kept throwing more and throwing more and throwing more. Um, but the Bengals part of it, I mean, Carl, the last two years prior to this, from October on, right, they played 11 games in each of those seasons once they got outside of September. They're 17-5 and five in those ballgames, October on. Now it's 18-5, and five, you know, at, like – something happens there. And a lot of times it is tied to the quarterback's health. And he tends to come into these, these seasons banged up and they tend to need to make some adjustments and recalibrations. And yeah, I didn't think San Francisco was getting above 17 points in that game. And they've, they've been stuck on 17 for three weeks now in that losing streak. They can't get above 17. Mm -hmm. And if Trent Williams doesn't come back soon on the other side of that bye, that's where they're, that's where they're going to continue to be. Um, and, yeah, look out for the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a really interesting game against Buffalo this weekend. Um, I like the way they're playing in, in all phases. And they if they go out and do the right thing at the deadline, get a tight end. Get a tight end. Go get, get a, tight, a end. tight end. You had any semblance of a tight end to this offense, and it, it I think, now can go to uh, another level. Um and and they ran the ball a little bit um, as well, and and they, they need to to do that with uh, a little more efficiency than they have. Not they don't have to you know it doesn't have to be great. It just it can't be the worst in the league. Uh, 
And they 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 add just a semblance of jam to the run game um, with a tight end who can help them there and unlock some things in the middle of the field. You know, now play action goes to a whole nother level. So, yes, I'm very bullish on the Bengals as I have been the last couple of autumns. It's hard not to be. Joe Burrow is a dude. It's just that simple. He, he, he's a game changer. By the way, Cincinnati, three-point uh, three favorite at home on that Sunday night game this weekend as we look at it right now. We'll see where it's at at the end of the week. But right now, three, uh, three points, that's a, that's a gimme at home against the Bills. That should be one of the better games of the weekend. Hey, I know you're going to fuss at me because you don't believe. But how about them Cowboys? 43-20 to 20 over the Rams. Dak Prescott throws for four touchdowns. Jason, don't you smirk. Don't you do it. I mean, C.D. Lamb, 12 balls, 158 yards. How about them Cowboys? Yeah, boy, let me tell you. Uh, you're right, right, Carl. I'm done with 180. I'm, all, I'm, I'm on board. This is exactly what they do. I mean, they get a homecoming game. Right? Schedule sets up perfect for them. Rams team totally run out of gas. Rams team that has really nothing going offensively. Uh, Stafford on fumes. They get rip uh, Rippian for half the game, right? Ryan Rippin. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like Rams team that's out of running backs, and then they, you know, they they boat race them. You know, Stafford gives them six points. Like then he's out of the game, and this is what they do, and everybody gets fired up, and it's here comes the second half run. But this is they were punching down in weight class. They had the rest advantage. They had the travel advantage. They had the health advantage. And they looked like gangbusters. That's great. That's when 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 everything falls into place, that's when they're popping champagne up in Jerry's suite. But that's the this is the NFL, man. That that doesn't happen all that often. So you you're know? not believing in that for what 304 yards? Did. Look, look at what the Ravens did against no. Detroit. I'm just saying, week to week, it doesn't carry over. Look at what the Ravens did in Detroit. And then look at what happened out in Arizona. Arizona, who already beat the Cowboys. Like, so, no, I, I think this is – it was great. It all fell into place. I think they're going to go to Philadelphia. And, get and have to deal with some elements and deal with some travel. Yeah. And deal with a team that has, you know, talent and skill, and skill position players. Deal with a team that you have to defend, run, and pass. And it's going to be a different ball game. Um, that Dak's been really good against uh, the Eagles in his career. Uh, but the Eagles are like, the Eagles put up 34 points and like, it's like, it doesn't count or it doesn't matter. And it should have been 42. You know, you had the, the, the shenanigans with the push, push fumble. Like it, it really, I mean, they, they should have hung up 40 on Washington. I thought they were going to, um, we'll see what the Cowboys do here. But like this was, this is, I mean, perfect scenario. Let's go out and run up the box score. You know what I mean? And you get a yard and you get a touchdown. It's an Oprah game. You know, Jerry gets yeah. another bottle of champagne and Stephen Jones gets a raise. And, you know, like, yeah, it's fine. Like that, that they were going to crush. They were going to win that game. Like they were, they were going to win that game big. Uh, let's, let's see what happens when they play real teams. The Rams yeah. are, the Rams are bad. And, and they are, it's, it's the bottom's falling out there. The the Eagles game this Sunday in the four o'clock window, guys. We got some really good games. Honestly, you get to get up early. Uh, we're back to Germany. All right. So you got Miami and Kansas City, early game, 930 game this weekend. And then just looking at the schedule, Seattle at Baltimore. That's a big time game. Then you talk about the uh the the Sunday afternoon, you know, Dallas at Philly, and then Sunday night, Buffalo at Cincinnati. Here's some great matchups we got coming up. It's In the Huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us at In the Huddle Pod. Watch us on YouTube. 
Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes, put them up. And of course, Brian Baldinger, part of this podcast. All right, before we get out of here, we got to talk about this. Speaking of these teams and matchups, uh, best six and two team right now. Now, again, you'll probably fuss. I think it's a team in your backyard. I think it's the Baltimore Ravens. But here are the six and two teams, Chiefs, Dolphins, Jags, Ravens, right? Um, And I do think they all have a legitimate shot at the Super Bowl. But Miami and Kansas City play this weekend. Even though it's a neutral site, that's going to be an interesting contest. And, of course, the Cheetah playing his old team. You guys know he wants to show out. Cheetah's trying to get 300 yards in this game. But with that said, Chiefs, Dolphins, Jags, Ravens. Who's the best six and two team? Um, The best six and two team is – you can't you why it's the Ravens. I'm gonna say the Chiefs. I'm gonna say the Chiefs. Why? Because the defense is because the defense is legit. The defense it is. is beyond legit, you know, and they're gonna get Bolton back. Um and it's still Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And and I know that game did not go like I thought it would. And I think the whole flu situation had something to do with it. Uh, but you you know, people are going to have, there's, there's certain teams who are going to give you trouble. And this year it's Denver. They used to go into Denver and have no, even if they lost, they probably put up 28 or 30 back when Denver was a pretty good defensive team. And Denver's got a little bit of secret sauce for them with Denver's red zone coverages and schemes have given them fits twice in the last three weeks. But when they lost week one to the Lions, who were pretty good. I think they're going to continue to win a lot of football games. And I think um, like they're going to do something else to get a pass catcher at the deadline. And I, I have to defer to them. It, you know, the AFC championship game is the Arrowhead Invitational. And I'm going to look at it as such until I'm given empirical evidence to the contrary. Well, are the hey, Ravens Jason, the best quick. team at, at this moment? Yes. I'd say they are. But I'd also say this. Which of those teams is going to finish with the most victories? And be the one seed in the AFC, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. yeah. The Ravens the- strength the schedule the rest of the way. Now, they've got a lot of home games coming up. They haven't been as good as home the last three years as they were, you know, during the Ray Lewis and Reed era where it, they were basically impenetrable at home. But go look at, at who they face. And the Ravens have traveled a ton already. They yeah. went to London. Then two weeks later, they go to Arizona. They've still got to go uh, two more trips out west. they got to go – Play the 49ers out there. They've got to play the Chargers out there. You know, they still have three division games left, all at home. But still, I mean, we just talked about the Bengals. You know, the Browns are still viable, even though, uh, you know, the quarterback situation is a joke. So the, the Ravens schedule versus the Jags schedule, you're going to take the Jags schedule. The Chiefs schedule versus the Jags schedule, just go look at it. You're going to take the Jags, you're going to take the Jags schedule. So they survived an absolute gauntlet. What they did to get to this bye, and I don't think they had it in them. Because the first two yeah, weeks of the season, I had evaluators in that division telling me that ain't the same team. Something's off there. It's going to their head. Like, they, they, you know what I mean? That's a team that's finding ways to undermine themselves. And, and they went, spent two weeks in London, came back, played a game in the heat at home. Four days later, played in a dome in New Orleans, right? And then, and then <sighs> one more before the bye. Pittsburgh in the elements on a day when it wasn't it wasn't a great day to play pitch and catch. It's a good and football team. That thing out. Th- that's a good like, football and team. Then look at their schedule. Like maybe Will Levis is going to make the Titans better. Yeah, like like, but they're going to win that division. They're going to win that division comfortably. Yeah. yeah. 
And I think they're I think they're going to be viable for the one seed. So here's what's crazy as we talk about the best six and two teams in the AFC. Um, I do agree with everything you're talking about with, with the Jags, but I don't know if that's a it doesn't scare the Chiefs to have to go on the road and play the Jags if that is the situation. If I'm the Jags, I don't want to go back to Arrowhead and have to relive what we did last year, even though they made it a game. I, it, this gets back Jags to what I'm saying. They gave a hell of a game at Arrowhead, bro. They did. No, no, no. They hung tight. Yeah. But even, even with the Dolphins, let's be honest. If the Dolphins have the the one seed, and we're a ways away, guys. We're you know we're week ten. We're eight games in. Uh, six and two. All these six and two teams. But I don't think the Chiefs fear going there either. And that's why I think this weekend is a litmus test for both teams to kind of get a feel for what that might be, what might be in store down the road. I just feel like the home field advantage goes to the Chiefs if they're the one seed. Everywhere else, the Chiefs can travel, and I feel comfortable with them going on the road and winning. Right now, that's where I'm at because of the defense. Oh, I'm with you. I think but Jacksonville's showing what Jacksonville's showing me is they're not a homer. Miami to me is a homer. That offense looks one way at home. It looks completely different on the road. Like, and and I don't buy Miami's defense. I I I just think it's too soft in too many critical times. Um, I like Jacksonville's defense more. Uh, I certainly like the Chiefs' defense more. Like, but but what the Jags have done again, winning winning twice in a row in London, including beating. A, a good Bills team and a Bills team that in that moment, a lot of people thought might be the best team in the AFC at that moment. Um, you know, that was before the injuries. Milano and those guys got hurt over there on that soft right. turf. That a lot of right. people in that Bills organization feel like field conditions had something to do with that stuff. Um, I don't know, man. And then they go on the road in the short week with the quarterback on the injured list. And we're not sure he's going to play. And they beat the Saints. That's a good Saints defense. Like, um, and they should have they should have put the game away at halftime. Like they were clearly the better team. And then to do what they did in Pittsburgh, I didn't think this, I thought the Steelers would find a way, some way, somehow to win that game. And the Jags outclassed them throughout, and especially in the second half. So I don't know, man. Like, I think they're I think they're pretty viable. And I think they're gonna come out of this bye and they're gonna look at a path to the the potential one seed. Again, I don't think they need the one seed. As much as a Miami probably needs the one seed, as much as a Buffalo might need the one seed, but they might mess around and get it anyway. It's going to be interesting. We got another great week of games, guys. We'll see what happens with the trade deadline. Baldy and I will be back later in the week to talk about and react to some of the things that are going to take place. Maybe it's not as busy as we think. Maybe it's busier than what we think. We're, we're going to see. Hey, Jason, great job as always, man. Can't wait to see how these games Thank play you, out buddy. this weekend. As, uh, as always, guys, thank you guys for being here. Subscribe, like us, and make sure you check out all the episodes and you don't miss one by subscribing. We'll talk to you guys later this week. Everybody take care. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 